Okay, there we go. Um, when I work with, uh, with people, one of the questions that, that I'm asked is, you know, do I have to tell my details? Absolutely not. Remember I told you that what changes the chain link protein in your brain is frequency and ligands? And that goes into the bloodstream by way of emotions. And the emotion that created a, uh, a chain link protein is needed to highlight that chain link protein so that we can transform it into something else. So for example, if a, if a veteran comes to me and my husband and I are working with him, I don't need to know what happened on the battlefield, which is very important to that veteran. Why? Because they feel like they're dishonoring their comrades if they tell a story. So I don't need the details. I'll, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll say, can you tell me where you were? Were you on the beach or in a jungle? You see what I'm saying? Give me things that will touch your five senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, because those are the things that I can use to provoke the emotion without the whole story. Now, if God gives me an image, um, I had this happen one time where um, I saw uh, where the, the gentleman was that I was working with. I saw where he was. I saw him leaning against a corner of a building. I heard a helicopter fly over, and I saw an enemy uh, be shot and wounded, and I saw the, the way the enemy fell. That's all I saw. And I spoke that. Why did God give me that? So that he would know what I was saying was real. Um, and what the odd thing about it was, was the person that he shot when he died, when the bullet hit him, the man didn't go backwards. He fell forward. Well, I'm a hunter. And it's not common for something to get shot and fall forward. Right? Like, how does that occur? Where you hit them with the bullet would determine where they fell. So when I said that, immediately he went into full-fledged trauma. All the memory, all the emotion, everything flooded. I didn't need any, any more information at all. Why? Because all I needed was the ligands and the frequency in the bloodstream. So he didn't have to tell me, he did not have to divulge any information that he felt was private to him and his comrades. How important is that to a veteran? Huge. It's huge because they honor one another. There's a brotherly love that's there that if he tells me that information, he will breach that brotherly love and he will feel guilty on top of his other guilt he already feels. So I don't need all the details. I just need the ligands and the frequency in the bloodstream. Why? Because it really is chemistry. And so once that happens, I waited. He went into full-fledged emotion. He's trembling. His body's jumping off of the bed. He's shaking. All this, this emotion is going on. And I say, Father, what now? And after I said, Father, what now? I literally saw the man fall again. But this time when the enemy fell, I saw Jesus beside him grab the man's spiritual arm and lift up the man that was shot and held him. And I described it. And I saw angels all over picking up these bodies as they were falling. And I also saw that this man, when he went home, and he went to look at his mother in the face, his mother you know, waited for him to get home, but for some reason that I didn't know until that moment, whenever he stepped into the kitchen and his mother turned around, he thought he was going to be happy to see her and surprised, but that's not what his spirit did. 
I saw his body stand there and reach out for his mom, but I literally watched the man's spirit go like that. And I described it to him. I said, am I right? He said, yes. And I said, I know why you couldn't look in her eyes. He said, why? I said, you didn't want her to see the monster that you had become. See, we don't understand what war is like because we haven't been there. Neither did I understand it. But you know what my old mind would have said? Oh, well, you had to think like that to make it through. You, if you wouldn't have done what you did and you wouldn't have thought of them as your enemy, you wouldn't have made it back. You know what that, that man's thinking? I wished I wouldn't have made it back. But I didn't know that until I saw his whole spirit man just drop. Could not look his mother in the eye. So God showed me all sorts of things and I spoke what I saw. That man was instantly healed. Why? Because the facts of the war I did not try to change. I did not manipulate them in any way, shape, or form. What I did do was I brought him into that truth and then I added new information of what I saw. And with that new information, guess what happened to captivity? Captivity became captive. Why? Because like Paul Harvey, I brought him the rest of the story. <laughs> See, the rest of the story is God never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's omnipotent. You make your bed in hell, He is there. And I spoke a lot of things into that man. While that bloodstream was filled with fear and filled with rejection and filled with self-hatred and filled with all those things that was in His bloodstream. See, if you deny the truth, you're given over to a strong delusion. So to deny any of that truth, I would have left Him in a delusion. I had to get him out. I didn't learn this like overnight. The first time I ever did emotional release, emotional shift, emotional transition, where we're transformed in a twinkling of an eye, I didn't know what I was doing. My sister had asked me to come and help her do a retreat for some women who had lost their children by way of abortion. And she said... Um, uh, my phone rings, and I'm cooking supper for my family. And she says, where are you? I'm like, I'm home cooking. What? Aren't you coming? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll get there when I get there. She said, no, you need to come do that thing you do. I said, what thing? That? You know that counseling thing you do. I said, sister, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done that before. That's okay. Come do it anyway. <clears throat> so I get there after I take care of my family, and I begin ministering to the women that are there. I have no clue what I'm doing. Let me give you a piece of advice. Keep it that way. Keep it where you don't know what you're doing. Why? Because then you are forced to rely on hearing the voice of God, not your own intellect and reason. Where your processed food is. Right? You, you need to not know what you're doing. Noah, Noah nothing, and entered into quiet rest. Well, Angelo, what would God want you to do? Well, I asked him. And he said, Angelo, do what you want, but God, I want to do what you want. What do you want? He said, I want it Yahweh. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> God's fun, huh? Yeah, Noah nothing, that's a good place to be. God knocked, and Enoch said, I am not. 
And he was. And then he wasn't. Because he was. <laughs> See, when you know that you're nothing, what does that mean? Is that bad? No, you're a void. You're a female. You're an Eve. You're a bride. God, how can I be a bride? I'm a man. Be a void. See, the men don't really get the bride thing yet, but now is the revelation time for the men to understand the bride. Why? Because it's time for the bride. It's the appointed time. One of the words for bride means pierced. Look at what happens during consummation. Her body is pierced. It's a blood covenant. What does light do to darkness? Pierces it. See, it's the same thing over and over and over. It's just a different dimension. Solid water is ice. Liquid water is liquid. And boiling water turns into vapor. They're all the same thing. They're just different dimensions of the same thing. I'm just teaching you the different dimensions of the evening. Of Eve. Of the female. Of the receiver. Right? Can you, uh, you hear my language? It's a different language. Why? Because I speak with new tongues. That's what the Holy Ghost does. <laughs> that really is true. See, you can hear me in no matter what language you speak, even though I'm speaking a different language. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm not of this world. Do you know what a world is? It's, a full, it's full of nations. What are nations? Tribes. What are tribes? Tongues. What are tongues? Languages. So you can say, I'm not of your language. I'm of a heavenly language. If I spoke to you in earthly things and you couldn't understand me, why would I speak in heavenly things? You couldn't understand that. Right? So God teaches us an earthly language and lets us see earthly things and tangible things. Why? So the intangible, unseen things can be understood. Romans 1 and 20. All over again. That is where you learn to see. So when we're talking about the brain, we're talking about the amygdala, we're talking about chemical balance. How many people, this is rhetorical, how many people do you know that are chemically imbalanced? It's, that's a serious situation. The melatonin's off, the serotonin's off, the dopamine's off, the opiates are off. And then we go to the doctor to get assistance and they give us something to numb it even further. So then the amygdala says, oh, I don't need to, hypothalamus says, I don't need to make any of this stuff anymore. Hypo, the, the human body's weak. It li it's lazy. It likes to lay around. Because lie and lay is just different words. The same thing. It likes a lie. Because a lie doesn't require anything of it. It can stay in denial. Do you know what denial is full of? Anybody here want to drink water from the Nile? Why not? Yeah. You know what one of the words for, for denial is? Urine. So guess what happens when you're in your mind? You're drinking urine. <laughs> God's not in when you're in. So go ahead, drink some more of your in. This is, this is how God talks to me. <laughs> Angela, did you make that up? No, I heard it. 
Who in the world thinks that way? Right? It's not us. It's a, to it's a totally new language. To drink urine is now to... Remember I told you, uh, hiss is an H with an I and an SS. It's to give breath to your past uh, knowledge to determine your future. Well, when you put your own perception on ISS, that would be a P in front of ISS. Because see why? Because you're in. You're in the place of God. And when you're in the place of God, you are giving breath to your perception. And so it's his, because and then you change the H to a P and you get urine. This is so real and so fun. Oh my gosh. Do you have any idea? Like, you guys are making my dreams come true. I knew when I was 12 years old I was supposed to do this. 12. And I went around a bunch of mountains. Let me tell you about my emotional shift. You know, because uh, shifts happen. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It was in February of 2014 that I began studying about paradigm shifts and subconscious and the science behind the subconscious. And I was like, God, I have heard your voice for years and everything you've said, I've walked it out. But why am I not seeing the evidence of what I've hoped for? This makes no sense. And he said to me, Angela, as you think, so are you, and whatever you believe, you'll have. I'm like, God, but I believe you. He said, not everywhere. You don't believe me in your subconscious. I said, but God, I don't know how to shift it. How do I make that change? See, Bob Proctor, Jack Canfield, uh, Napoleon Hill, um, Andrew Carnegie, James Allen, they all have a bit of truth. But you know what? Part of what they teach is that you have to have another failure to get your paradigm shift. I'm thinking, God, I have a whole wardrobe full of those things. Like, i got to go have more failure? I've been having that for 30 years. Like, why do I need another one? Well, I woke up one night. This is February. All the way to November. And during that time, I'm going through the hardest time in my life. God tells me to quit my job, go into full-time ministry. Now, to quit my job, I make 120000 a year. Before that, I made 300000 a year. God told me to quit that. So now I'm making one hundred and twenty dollars a year, and that same year I get offered one job for one hundred and twenty. dollars I turn it down to go uh, speak somewhere. Guess how much my love offering is after I turn down one hundred and twenty thousand dollars to go speak somewhere. Anybody want to guess? $75. 75 But I went to teach on opening the eyes and opening the ears, and there was a story that was told about a little boy who they took up a love offering. They needed $60,000 for him to get his sight for some stem cell research type of, um, what is it called? Uh, not exploratory, but when they're not sure, if, is that right? When they're not sure if it's a trial. Trial, yeah, trial. And so they go to another country, 
and they had the stem cell. It cost sixty thousand. Well, the family uh, that raised all the money, they people were so generous that they didn't just give sixty; they gave one hundred and twenty. So when he goes to this other country to get the stem cell research to get his eyes, they give it, and then he gets his ears. And it cost his family one hundred and twenty to open the eyes and the ears, and it cost me one hundred and twenty to go and open their eyes and ears. Like you can't make that up. But I told God, I said, God, I gave you my word. I don't care what they offer me. I'm going. I said, if you open any door, I'll go. Well, sneaky Jesus <laughs> tricked me. I thought I was going to go in March because I'm just one of those people that hear weird. I call it, I hear stupid sometimes. And so I put on my calendar March, which meant I could have accepted that May job that was coming. And then I called the lady in March to go, um, so where am I going to be speaking, blah, blah, She said, oh, no, that's not till May. I was like, May? Hello, it was March. Oh, dang, that was just an M month. Ugh. You know, one that starts with the letter M. So that's why I got them mixed up, because they both started with the letter M. M-A. So I put it on the wrong spot. So I had already given them my word, so I moved it to May and had to turn down all the job that was offered to me at $120,000 a piece to go preach for $75. But when I got there, I learned that this little boy cost their family $120,000 to give eyes and ears. And literally my message is to receive your sight and your hearing. Wow. I knew I was exactly where I needed to be. That same year, I got two more job offers. It wasn't like full-fledged, here, come do this. It's, if we pay you this, will you do it? You still have to go through all this process, but we're pretty sure you'll get it. And if you start this thing, you'll have to move, and your first year's income base will be 176 plus commission. And then within a very short period of time, three to five years, I could be making half a million a year. Fully licensed to do this. And God said, you want to do that? You can. You can do what you want. Whatever you want, you can do it. Or you can follow your heart. See, the safety felt good. But I did that. I lived that life. I, I lived the life of having the money and being able to write a check for $30,000 and not blink an eye. But I also lived the life of buying too many groceries and I had to go back to the store and ask the manager, could I return these canned food? My husband has no gas money to get to work and we've rolled all the coins that we have. Would you mind if I return this canned food? I'll be back next week to buy it when he gets paid. So I've been abased and I've abounded. But you know what I learned? You can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve one and hate the other or love one and abhor the other. And so when the job offers kept coming, I was also going through dealing with two prodigal children. Worst time in my life ever. And God's saying, quit your job, preach, Turn down all your safety, no life, I mean, no health insurance, cash in your life insurance, cash in your retirement, take your Shemitah money and live off of it. You might know what Shemitah is? In the Hebrew, when you work for seven years and then you rest a year. I was 49 at that time, seven times seven. And we were fixing to start a super Shemitah year on the Hebrew calendar. In my super Shemitah year. And God's saying, live off of your Shemitah. Live off of what I've given you in your past. But God, I'll have no retirement left. 
But God, I, I have no job. And not only that, when it came time to renew all my licenses, which is very difficult to acquire, my husband said, aren't you just going to keep them? Like, Hazel, you worked really hard for those. I said, Michael, tears streaming down my face. I can't run with crutches. And if I have something to fall back on, I'll fall. I can't do it. If you really want me to, I'll take those jobs. But I'll have to deny my heart. So I still can't figure out why is my dreams not coming true? I've done, I did television when you told me to and it was stolen. I laid down and let it die. I did television again when you told me to. I didn't even know how to do television. I just heard do television. What does that look like? I don't know. Just start doing it. So I went in my office and I put two chairs and a table and set some flowers and started. Do you know anybody that could do television? What's that mean? I don't know, but I need to do a television show. So I named it and started doing it. Just found the guy in town that did local television. I started a television show called Inside Out. Ran for two years. The guy that filmed it and produced it and all that died. And I quit doing that because he died. God told me to do radio. I did radio. God told me to write books. I wrote books. God told me to do a play. I'd never even been in a play. And I wrote and produced a play. And people said, what makes you think you, do, you can do this? I said, what makes you think I can't? I even had people tell me, well, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not, you know, being famous is not what it's cracked up to be. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, people thought that I was doing this to be famous. They had no idea that when I was 12, I, I wanted to see people not broken. I hated addiction. I hated emotions that were being covered up by food and whatever else. Because what it did to the families, it tears us apart. How do I know? Because I lived in it. My mother is an amazing woman. I love her. Without her, I wouldn't be who I am. I told you the different things or some of the things that she taught me when she taught me what two times three was, right? Because I thought two times three should equal two times... If two two plus two equals four and two times two equals four and two plus three is five, I couldn't figure out why two times three wasn't five. Until my mother drew it out and showed me. Something else about my mom that I love is when I would answer my children's questions, she said, you're robbing your children. I said, of what? Mama, they need to know the answer. She said, no, they need to figure out the answer. You're robbing them of mystery and discovery. I said, then how do I answer their question? He said, with a question. She said, with a question. My mother taught me etymology. What is etymology? To study the root of words and letters. My mother could tell you more. She read the dictionary for fun, and I thought she was crazy. Not only did I read the dictionary for fun, I called my friend Shay, and I said, you're not going to believe how amazing this is. I read the dictionary to her till she fell asleep. I thought you would like it once I figured out how awesome it was. And she's like, Angela, I really love you, but I don't like reading the dictionary. I'm like, you're kidding me. This is amazing stuff. See, doesn't that just sound crazy to want to read a dictionary for information? But when you figure out that a letter is not just a letter, it's a letter. It's a scroll with hidden stuff in it. So my mother and all of our dysfunction in our family and my father and all of our dysfunction and my sisters, 
we still had an amazing, loving relationship amongst all of our dysfunction. But as 12 years old, I wanted to see change in the earth. So I did everything God told me, but that started in February, me looking for the subconscious. How do I shift it? How do I shift it? How do I change this thing, God? How do I get in there? And in November, in my bed at 344, smoke came into my room and awakened me by burning my nostrils. And I thought my house was on fire. And I woke my husband up and I said, do you smell that? He said, no, baby, I don't smell anything. I said, I smell fire. Something's on fire. He said, baby, I don't smell anything. And the Lord said, it's me. Get your computer. I grabbed my computer. And Michael said, where are you going? I said, it's the Lord. It's, it's him. So I went and sat down. And I typed up a vision that I had. And nestled in the bottom of the vision, it said, go back into your memories. You will find that I've never left you nor forsaken you. Now, it took from November all the way to May before that happened because it was so nestled amongst all this amazing stuff like lions and eagles and doves and fire and rain that turned into blood and went all over the world. And when you have that kind of vision, that one little sentence doesn't seem real important, does it? Because it wasn't flashy. See, I saw lightning come out of my mouth and strike Missouri. Miss O-U-R-I-M. I know that, that don't make any sense to you. See, our Father who art in heaven really is O-U-R, Father. O-U-R spells our. Father. O-U-R, Father, who art in this heaven. Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Be thy name. So God began, when I looked at Missouri, I was like, God, why did it strike Missouri? It struck the fire. The fire struck Missouri in Jefferson City. Jefferson means to marry the sun. Miss, oh, you are. I am. Like as if I say I, the am is implied. So in the state of Miss, oh, you are, I am, misery Jesus Christ, which is the heartland of America, am Erica, I am Erica, I am the one who cares for the broken, the wounded, the weak. That's what America means. That's what my mother gave me through her wordsmith. It's how to study and hear hidden messages and secrets in words. So the lightning comes out my mouth, strikes that place, and then when it does, there's like this huge explosion of fire. It goes out from America and covers the globe. And then rain begins to fall. When the rain falls, it turns into blood when it touches the ground. And I'm wondering if it's going to put the fire out. But instead of putting the fire out, it turns into blood, like a wine-colored blood, and it covers the globe. And when I saw the rain fall, I could see the rain from top down and bottom up at the same time. And I could see the whole globe at the same time. So with all that going on... And I'm flying above the Lion of Judah. I don't notice this little bitty, go back into your memories. You will find that I've always been there and I've never left you nor forsaken you. See, because that doesn't sound like a profound statement, does it, amongst all that other stuff I just painted for you. Right? But that's in November. Now, guess what happened to Isaiah 
right before he prophesied, seeing they will not see and hearing they will not hear. Smoke filled the temple. Where's the real temple of God? Us. What filled my nose? Smoke. Smoke filled my temple. And instead of being touched with a coal, fire came out of my mouth. That weekend, fire fell in Texas. They thought it was a meteorite or something. Over 300 people called and reported the fire falling through the air. They never could find evidence of it on the ground. My pastor the next morning, I hadn't told them yet, this was all typed up, said he had a vision in church where fire fell from heaven and hit the earth. The same night that I have smoke in my nostrils at 344 and fire comes out of my mouth and strikes Miss O-U-R-I-A-M in Jefferson City. Mary the Son. Mrs. Jesus Christ to Mary the Son. In America, I am Erica. I am the one. Give me your wounded. Give me your weak. Give me your broken. What does it say on the Statue of Liberty? The Statue of Freedom. Now, I know that she was made after a heathen god. I know all that. But God hides treasures in darkness. Bada bing. <laughs> I used to be scared of the dark. But now even the darkness is light unto me. How did I know that? Because one night in the same room at 3.44, I'm awakened with an earthquake in my room. And as the ground shook me up and awake, I looked at my clock and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in an earthquake. We don't have earthquakes in Louisiana. And I looked on the wall or my dresser to see the little statues because I have a lion of Judah up there and an eagle up there and a picture of me and my husband up there and like a couple of them. So I'm thinking they should be rocking. I've taken a course in um, catastrophe because that was one of my licenses and I had taken a, a course in um, an earthquake catastrophe so I could know how to assess damage and I can know a little bit about like how bad based on the movement and how the cracks in the wall are and all that so all of a sudden that kicks in and I'm looking to see how bad this do I need to get under something do I get out of my house what do I do how do I remember all that stuff and I'm looking to see if things move and nothing's moving there so I move my eyes to my bedpost it's not moving. I move my eyes to my chandelier. It's not moving. I move my eyes to the pictures on the wall. They're not moving. I move my eyes to the, the flower arrangements that are, that are light and fluffy. They should be wiggling and nothing's moving. So the next morning I get up. Well, first of all, I, lay, I say, oh, this must be God. So I lay back down. And exactly 4 o'clock I wake back up. No movement. I was like, man, that's weird. So the next morning, I call my sheriff's department. Um, did you guys have any reports of like, you know, like any explosions or earthquakes last night? <laughs> what? Yeah, um, I'm just checking like that. This, did y'all have any reports last night of any kind of explosions or earthquakes? Oh, okay, thank you, bye. How weird that phone call was. Like, what are you talking about? This is Louisiana. Well, one time, just so you know, I'm not totally nuts. One time I heard some explosions outside and nobody believed me. And I was like, yo, we have an explosion. You don't hear that? 
Six 18-wheelers blew up less than a mile from my house. And everybody thought I was nuts for hearing it and paying attention. I said, look outside. Look at the fire. I called the sheriff's department. And they were like, nope, we had no. Hold on. Yes, ma'am. We're having calls come in right now. So it wasn't uncommon for me to, like, notice something that other people didn't notice. So that's why I called NAS. Then I asked my son, son, did you, anything wake you up last night? No, ma'am, why? They had an earthquake last night. Mama, nothing, nothing happened. So then I tell my pastor, and when I say my pastor, I'm usually talking about Shay, because Shay's the female part of my husband-wife pastor, and we're really good friends. So I tell her, and I tell another friend, did y'all feel anything? This is what happened to me last night. I looked around my room, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, I don't know what that was. So that, that night, when I go back to bed, my husband's at the hunting camp, so it's just me and my son home. I get in bed about 1.30 after just spending time studying, and I lay down, I'm going to reminisce, because I'm like, man, that had to be God. So I open my eyes. I look at my dresser, pitch dark. Look at my bedpost, pitch dark. Look where my light is, pitch dark. I realize I can see nothing. And I went, oh my goodness. Last night I could see in the dark. I said, God, what was that? He said, I am going to show you how to see in the darkness as though it is the noon of day. What else happened to Isaiah? Smoke filled the temple and what? The earth shook. See, those are foreshadows of things to come. So that happened, and then May the 20th rolls around, 2015. So I am now seeking from February 2014 to May 2015. God already nestled the answer in that vision, but I didn't see it. Why? Because Isaiah did prophesy well. Seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, and the only thing I can see is what my Father unveils to me. That is still true right this minute. It will forever be true. That my eyes only see what my Father allows me to see through Christ who is my head. Why? Because that's where the eyeballs live. Right? Isn't that where your eyeballs live? In your head. So May the, 20, May the, first, no, May the 20th comes around. Now in 2015 is actually on May the 20th um, what's called the first of Nissan. Got six minutes. So it's going to be fast. Open your mouth really wide. And I'll explain it when I come back, but I'm not going to explain it right now because I only have six minutes. Okay. In a super shmita, on a super shmita, in my super shmita, on the night of my conception, the anniversary that would have started my 50th day, on the counting down of the Omar, which is 49 days to Pentecost, which equals 50, which is the same day that the Word of God came through Moses and a tablet, and the same day that Pentecost, where the Holy Ghost came in a mighty rushing wind, that same day on the first of Nisan, that means the bride, I received an anointing that changed my life on a solar eclipse in between two blood moons and I was conceived in Phoenix Arizona Phoenix means out of the ashes and Arizona is the sun state the exact night I was conceived I got an anointing called a jubilee anointing in the year that I would make my jubilee and I didn't even know it mm. 
Nancy, get on up here and repeat me. Isn't that so cool and fun? Oh my gosh! You mean I'm really written? I'm really a written epistle? Not with pen and paper, but with the finger of God? That's real? Yes, it's real. And that night in my anointing, at 6.30 as the sun was going down, guess when the Hebrew calendar new day starts? At sundown. You know, when a sun goes down and you look at it, guess what you're looking at? The horizon. <coughs> Did you hear me? Horizon. Arise and shine, my beloved. So at sundown, I get this anointing and I go back into a memory of when I was six years old and I was drowning in a river. I was sitting on a log. And I was going to bathe. I had a pair of short pants on and a tank top. And we were camping. And everyone had left the river. And I was a really good swimmer. My mother would not just let me go to the river by myself. But I'm sure I you know, just snuck away because I could swim so good. I had been swimming for half my life. <laughs> Three whole years. And so I'm on the log and I've got ivory soap. And the ivory soap and that floats. Well, I dropped it and I reached to get the ivory soap. I slipped off the log and I fell into the water and I got pinned up against the log and I'm in the river by myself. And in my mind and in this memory, all of a sudden I begin to remember, oh my God, I'm all alone. Who's going to save me? Where are they? What am I going to do? I'm drowning. No one cares. They're, they're not even going to find me. So I... Reach down to the bottom because I can swim really good underwater. Actually better underwater than on top. And I can hold my breath a long time. Because we all practice at the swimming pool. So I'm holding my breath. And I feel underneath the log. And I notice there's a hole. And I think, well, maybe I can swim under it. But then what if there's a log and I can't come up? Then they'll never find me. So I'm trying to figure out in my mind. I'm remembering this event. And it's coming back like, like details. And all of a sudden I hear... In my memory, Father, say, Angela, you know not to fight the current. Stop fighting, you'll drown. Put down your right foot. And I put my right foot down and I find a log. And I push myself up over the, edge, the top of the log and I come out of the water. And God said, see, you've never been alone. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I've always been with you. And after I got out of the, of the water, I ran to my mom who was in a pop-up tent, uh, a pop-up, you know, the little things where it's uh, actually you can pull it behind you, the little pop-ups, and she was cooking. And I'm like, Mama, Mama, I almost drowned. Well, Mom has five girls at the time. There's six now, but my baby sister wasn't born until I was eight. So for a long time, I was the baby. And then at eight, I became the middle child and the big sister, so I have all three syndromes. <laughs> right? I feel like I'm totally messed up. So I go tell mom that I almost drowned, and I look fine to her, and she knows I can swim. She's like, honey, go play. Well, that little girl walked away going, you know how much trauma I just had? You don't, you don't care? You, oh, my gosh. They really don't care if I live or die. 
That was what I believed when I was six. Now, I was, the, I was mama's baby. My mama loved me to pieces. Like, I was her favorite. I was the crybaby who got everything she wanted. How did the little girl who got everything she wanted walk away believing, see, they don't even love me. They don't even care if I die. You really are all alone. You really are a rejected one. You're different. You're the only one with blonde hair. You're not the pretty ones like all your dark-haired, dark-skinned sisters. You really are different and ugly and not accepted. Now, my family didn't do that to me. My brain did. Why? The knowledge of good and evil has caused us to be a fallen people. So let me wrap it up. In that moment, when God took me back into the memory to show me he never left me nor forsook me, gratitude and love exploded out of my body. So tangible that people in the room saw waterfalls coming out of me and lightning. Five people had visions. Multiple people were healed. The power coming out of my body, the best way I can explain it, it never happened to me before nor since, similar but not this degree, it felt like jacuzzi jets coming out of both of my hands, both of my feet, out of my belly, out of my back, the top of my head. My eyeballs were vibrating in my head. I could not feel my body. I could not feel other people. I could not sit up. I couldn't open my eyes. And I asked the man that was anointing me, if this, I said, does this happen? Is this, is this supposed to happen? He said, we've never seen it before, but we've been praying for it. And I said, would you move that stand, that metal stand? Like, I, if you put a light bulb in my hand, I think it's going to go off. Like, I didn't want lightning to jump off. I felt this power, like tangible power. But I realized that the power was love and gratitude. Love and gratitude. Are the, love is the most powerful thing. Gratitude is right there with it. Because you can't be loved and not feel gratitude. And I'm screaming, flailing, wailing, praying in tongues, prophesying over the whole earth, and this is coming out of me. They push me up, lean me against somebody, and people come over and touch my body to get this virtue that's coming out of me. And it lasts for over two hours. Flowing. An emotional shift in your brain changes your entire world. I did all those things to make things happen and a lot of nothing kept happening. That one subconscious shift in my brain and now everywhere I go, I'm loved, I'm accepted, and I'm never alone. Before, I could preach the same message and no one would invite me back. They wouldn't call me back, nothing. Why? Because I believed I was rejected, I was different, I was alone and not loved. When you believe that, that is what you get. We'll go to lunch and come back and pick up.